Yes, haha, <laughs> yes. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Trade Deadline Edition of the Third Line Plug, Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jensie. Tim, how's it going, sir? It's going good, going good. I uh, had a good weekend. What's funny is I remember thinking to myself Sunday morning, looking at the fact there had been maybe five trades that was just going to be a regular episode. And then somewhere Sunday night, the floodgates just opened. And then it was calm, calm, calm. And then like the last two hours or so. The doors just got kicked wide open. Yeah, it's like there was so much speculation going into this trade deadline. Like, oh, the Canadian teams are going to have to have it early. Oh, nothing's going to happen. Then it, it just got compressed into two days. Like, this is probably one of the busier trade deadlines I can remember. I know, and thankfully for the Ottawa Senators, at least we ended up turning out pretty good and not end up terribly like we did last year. Honestly, I think we did pretty good last year too. Well, we traded Pajot. I mean, that's it's Yo. not it's not like the year previous where we're Mark Stone, Dzingel, Duchesne, everybody got dealt though. I don't know if you can get a first, a second, and uh, the New York Islanders special Stanley Cup condition third round pick. You're doing pretty good. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's just been a busy day. It's been a busy day for all of us, and this is why we're here today, Tim. Exactly. So, Tim, we got to talk about today's cover athlete because, given that today is our trade deadline edition, today's episode is season four, episode thirteen, in chronological order, episode ninety, the Vladislav Nemestikov episode. Joe, just a little background about Vladislav Nemestikov. He was drafted 27th overall by the Tampa Bay Lightning in 2011. He played parts of six seasons with Tampa Bay and the New York Rangers before being dealt to the Ottawa Senators in October 2019 for Nick Ebert and a 2021 fourth-round pick. He went on to record 13 goals, 12 assists for 25 points, and 54 games for Ottawa before, given that we're talking about the trade that last year, being dealt at the 2020 trade deadline to Colorado for a 2021 fourth-round pick. So I guess when talking about Nemestikov, and he's one of these guys that... He had some really nice games for the Sens. I can't think of one definitive moment of Nemestikov as a senator, but when I think of him as a senator, he definitely had some really nice games for the senators. Yeah, and what's interesting about Nemestikov is that he was one of those guys that you would have never thought was going to be a senator. And then one day, Pierre Dorian's like, oh yeah, I just trade, traded like a nothing prospect in a draft pick for Nemestikov. He comes in, he's honestly fine in the ice that he's given, has some really good games, and a few really good games, but generally, if he looked bad, it was more the fault of the team around him. Uh, generally, like Nemestikov is a good defensive forward and has some decent hands and early in those few years where uh, he was playing really well in Tampa kind of looked like he was going to be an elite player and then just there was a weird period in New York there 
and now he's just kind of been a journeyman. Yeah, and we can't forget, and I actually didn't even realize he, or I didn't realize, I totally forgot he was with the Detroit Red Wings right now. And I was just like, really? Vladdy's with the Red Wings, huh? That's interesting. That Red Wings team is just it's such a weird collection of players, and it got weirder today. Oh, I know. And trust me, man, we're going to talk all about it when we get to the trades later on in this episode. But we got to talk about next week's cover athlete because next week's cover athlete is a big one, Tim. Season 4, episode 14, in chronological order, episode 91, the Alexander Dag edition of the Third Line Plug, Sensecast. It's it's weird thinking about talking that we're going to be talking about a player who was drafted when we were still in diapers. Yeah, and you know what? We're going to have quite a bit to talk about Alexander Dag next week, but we're going to have to save that for then. Mm-hmm. So, Tim, even though we've got a fully loaded episode today because of the trade deadline, I think we could talk quickly talk about our week. So... I'm going to throw it over to you. How has your week been going this week? It's not very often I go off on social media. Thursday night, I went off. So uh, I'm going to keep this a little brief because it goes into uh, a terminal phase of weeabooism that I'm not going to dread our five listeners with. So one of my favorite anime series is the Macross series. Essentially, uh, very popular in Japan, lots of great animation, great robots, great music, and they do kind of idol concerts every so often. So I'll go over to Japan to go watch those concerts. That's kind of how deep into the series I am. Uh, there's a There has been a very long rights issue battle between uh, the two companies that made the first show back in the 80s, and uh, one of the companies licensed the rights of the show to another company in the U.S., and uh, there's just been nothing but acrimony ever since. Okay. Thursday night, those two com- main holding company in Japan, Big West, and the American rights holder to uh, specific characters and I think the trade, the mark in North America, they, they actually lost the mark in Europe, came to an understanding that will allow Macross to come to the West. So that's a big deal. Really? Because this is like a, a fantastic, like one of the most popular anime <laughs> over in Japan. <laughs> That's just been completely <laughs> shut out of the North American market. Okay. So, uh, one of the things that I'm hoping that we might get is an international theater, theatrical release of the upcoming Macross Delta movie. And that would be, I think it would be a first for the Macross series. So, Tim, I know I'm going to sound a little ignorant here, given that I don't really know anime super well, or at really at all. When talking about Macross, why is it that the series just never made it to the West? It did make it to the West. Okay. And it was actually one of the first shows to have a competent English dub, but it came over with two other shows kind of appended to it in something called Robotech. And uh, Robotech was actually fairly popular, and uh, it kind of legitimized the idea that you could have dub- like a competently dubbed anime that people would actually pay to watch. The problem was is that uh, back in Japan there was a big argument between Tatsun, like uh, two of the co- two major companies that funded the original Macross show, a uh, Big West and Tatsunoko. And uh, the way this is a gross simplification, I'm glossing over a ton of details. 
Big West retained the rights to uh, license with the original Super Dimensional Fortress Macross TV show in Japan, while Tatsunoko got took the rights for international distribution, and Tatsunoko licensed to Harmony Gold. Tatsunoko and Big West do not like each other because uh, shit went down during the production of the show. So eventually, Harmony Gold is a weird company because they don't really do a lot of media stuff outside of like Robotech and a few movies. They Most of their wealth actually comes from land holdings. And uh, the guy in charge of Harmony Gold, Frank, Arma, Frank Argama, he almost went to prison because he was part of a tax scheme with Silvio Berlusconi, the former head of... Uh, Sorry, the former Prime Minister of Italy. So basically what happened was Tatsunoko and... Uh, so Tatsunoko and uh, Big West went through a series of lawsuits in uh, Japan and the United States. And while this was happening, Harmony Gold was in dire straits because Frank Argama almost went to prison. While this was happening, a bunch of other Macross properties, so Macross 2 and Macross Plus ended up getting brought to North America by a different company. And then this same company, uh, Manga, I forget what they're called now, uh, tried to bring Macross Zero over. But Tatsunoko instructed Harmony Gold to protect the copyright. So then Frontier and Delta were, weren't able to come over. But it looks like uh, we don't know why, what, why now that all of a sudden Harmony Gold's like, yeah, we're not gonna, we're not gonna defend the copyright anymore. Even though they have Tatsunoko's license, the rights to them again until twenty thirty five. Uh, the rumor going around is that Sony had something to do with it. But yeah, we don't know. It's just all of a sudden it's it's happening, and uh, to make things look a lot more optimistic, uh, Big West now has English language Twitter accounts. And uh, they've unregion locked a bunch of stuff on their YouTube channel. So it used to be restricted to Japan because that's where they had the rights to put it out. Now it's available to international consumers. So now how long did it take for this, for all this legal stuff to go away? So this has been going through courts for 25, 30 years. Oh, really? Because Super Dimension Mac, so Super Dimension Fortress Macross first aired almost 40 years ago back in 1982 uh robotech i think came over in like 85 or 87 just to put that into context oh okay yeah so what so for our five listeners who may know about macros they would probably get a lot out of this i know for like i said i'm not really that into anime i don't really it's not i don't understand it it's just like I just never really got that in that that into Honestly, it. fair. But you know, I know that that's something that you're super passionate about. I did see some of your stuff on Twitter about that, and I just went, "Well, this is weird." Like Tim's Twitter account's gone kind of crazy. I can see all these tweets and stuff. So, but no, that's honestly cool. That because I know, and you've talked about in the past. I think you even sit here on the show like Macross is one of your favorite shows. So, it yeah. is kind of cool that all this good stuff is happening for yourself being a Macross fan. Well, like. The proof's in the pudding. I'm willing to travel to Japan for concerts for this. <laughs> yeah, but that just this goes to show just how dedicated anime fans really are, though. Is that mm-hmm. they will travel to other countries for these kind of events. Pretty much. And it was like, I was getting to the point where it's like, 
one of the nice things about learning Japanese is I won't have to hold out on a dream, hold out on the dream of this actually coming to North America anytime soon. <laughs> Solid. So, I guess I'll talk a little bit about my week because my week is actually kind of, kind of eventful to be honest with you. So, nice. I've talked about over the last couple of weeks that how busy work has been and so we actually broke a record this week for the most people oh. down. Oh, Jesus. We were down, I think it was, what day was it? Wednesday? Thursday? We were down six people. Holy shit. Did you count as a close contact of anyone then? Or? No, it was just two had booked it off. And one person, I think, was still pretty beat up from his acupuncture. There was a, a few other stomach bugs going around, so... So yeah, we were down six people, and it was super hectic. But the but the nice thing about it is, it has nothing really to do with the fact that we were down six people. Is given that COVID nineteen is still around, and that the vaccinations are slowly coming out in this country, is that given that I work at a school, we are deemed essential workers. <clears throat> so the head of the school and like one of the really higher ups in the school had a meeting with our department this week, and says. Because we are essential workers, we're kitchen staff, we are eligible to get the vaccination. They, Sick. They sent out the email and says, listen, if you want to sign up for it, go for it. Yeah, do it. Yeah. And I, but the thing for me, Tim, is that I have such a pussy when it comes to, like, needles that I would probably still go through with it just so I got it. We can kind of go forward. But I think there's just me. I'm just like... I don't know oh, if I could really... just back and think of England. I can't do it. I can't do it, Tim. <laughs> Even as a grown-ass man, I'm always afraid I'm going to start just bursting out crying. I'm like, no, don't poke me with that needle. Lay back and think of England. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's so brutal. You know, just my... I don't have a really a fear of needles. I just don't like them. And that's a fair, fair... fair you know, that's a fair fear right there, man. Because you know what? I got shots when I was a kid. It was never a good thing. So, I guess that pretty much covers our both of our weeks, Tim. Because I think for myself, that's pretty much all that was going on this week. So, we are going to try and keep this segment kind of short and sweet. Because we've got a whole lot of trades to talk about today. Given that today was the 2021 NHL trade deadline. So, without further ado, Tim... Let's turn it over to Trade Center. All right, Tim, we are back to talk about some trades. Now, as I said, like this was a fully loaded trade deadline today. Lots of trades, and there were some trades that came out about an hour after the cutoff. So there is a lot to unpack here, but... We actually going to start off by talking about the pre-deadline trades because you know what? This is where the real action was this week. And I don't know, man. Some of those post-deadline or at the wire trades were big. You know what though? You could say that, but the trades that happened in the pre-deadline, wow. This is just so good, and we're gonna get right into this. New Jersey Devils traded forwards Kyle Palmieri and Travis Sajak to the New York Islanders in exchange for A.J. Green, Mason Jobsit, and a first-round pick in 2021, and a fourth-round pick 
in 2022. Palmieri and Sajak recorded 8 goals, 9 assists for 17 points in 34 games, and 7 goals, 11 assists for 18 points in 33 games respectively for New Jersey, while Greer and Dropstead recorded 1 goal, 1 assist for 2 points in 10 games, and 2 assists in 7 games for the American Hockey League's Bridgeport Sound Tigers respectively. I like this trade for New York. They don't give up a lot here, but they get Kyle Palmieri, who is a very stable option, very good in his own end, good in the offensive zone with a nice shot, and he likes to shoot the puck, and on top of that, he's good at drawing penalties. This is the type of guy you want around during the playoffs. And honestly, Travis Zajac's He's definitely lost a bit of the step now that he's 35, but I think he's fine for a depth option for your playoff run here. And to be able to get uh, both of them, two good options at $5 million, you like that. And well, I think this is a good price to pay because your first round isn't going to be cool. Your first round pick, if you're the New York Islanders, is closer to a second. Yeah, I think for myself, when I look at this trade... I. I didn't really know where to go with this. And I will be perfectly honest with you, Tim, and our five listeners right here, is that this is probably the only NHL season where I have not followed the American teams at all. Given that the Sens don't play any of the American teams, they don't play the Canadian teams. The Canadian teams is where I really know quite a bit about, given that I follow it pretty closely, given the fact that we are in one division. I think for myself, I think... Lou Lamorello definitely knows what he's getting here in Paul Mary and Sajak and very good pickups. I don't know if they're first round pick worthy, but you're absolutely right. Like it's a more mid to late round first, more likely a second. So I'm not too, too worried about that. I know absolutely nothing about Greer and Jobstick, so I can't really comment. They just look like minor league prospect guys who I think they're just to make the contract numbers work honestly really yeah i mean there's really not a whole lot they can do it's it's definitely clear that lou lamorello is going for more lou lamorello guys yeah because you know he and... went after Corey schneider he went after andy green now he adds paul mary and sajak and as remembered last year he almost tried to get zach parise as well mm-hmm. from minnesota one of the things i do like is Kyle Palmieri is, I think, underrated, and I think his numbers will look much better once he's on a good team because he's being massively dragged down by the fact that he's on New Jersey. Ah, That's true. That's true. I really don't have any more to comment on this trade. I I will say one thing, though, and it has nothing to do with the trades, Tim. There's actually a three-party trade that happened earlier today. Nobody else knows about this. We are the first to announce it. Uh huh. So I'm going to go right here. The three parties involved, myself, Amazon, and the local dump. So I will be honest. I personally acquired a new desk chair. So you're not going to hear this squeaky son of a bitch going anymore. anymore. Nice. Amazon receives cash considerations from me for the chair. And nice. the dump acquires... My old chair. Good chair. Good trade. Good trade. It's, it's awesome. You know, just, uh, you know, yeah, you know, the per 60 numbers were great. You know, it's, uh, you know, you just need an upgrade and, uh, yeah, it's good. You know, it's, uh, what we got. What we got. Yeah, it's really good. So we're going to move on to our next trade, Tim. The Columbus Blue Jackets traded forward Riley Nash to the Toronto Maple Leafs for a 2022 conditional seventh round pick. 
Nash recorded two goals, five assists for seven points, and 37 games for Columbus this season. Riley Nash is the definition of white bread. He is a guy who is basically a security blanket. Yeah. He, he doesn't, he's not shooty. His shot's not great. But uh, when he's on the ice, the puck's not going into the net for either team. So, like, this is definitely a type of player you want on the ice in a late game where you hold the lead, which is something that in eight games against Toronto this season, they're not good at. Yeah, and you know what? I think for myself, this is a decent enough bottom six pickup. They really did not give up anything for him. And that's the thing. The Blue Jackets are going to be a team that we're going to talk about quite a bit in this in this episode today, given that a number of their players did get dealt. And to another, Toronto. To Toronto and to other teams as well. But we're going to move into the next trade. San Jose Sharks traded goaltender Devin Dubnik to the Colorado Avalanche for defenseman Greg Patterson and a 2021 fifth-round pick. Dubnik recorded a 3-9-2 record with a point. 8.98 save percentage for San Jose, while Patterson recorded three goals in 10 games for the American Hockey League's Colorado Eagles. Devin Dubnik, there was like those two seasons where he seemed to be on top of the world. And then in San Jose Sharks fashion, he just crashed. Like, I don't know the last time San Jose's had just a stable goalie. I want to say Nabaka, but I'm not even sure that counts. Well, I mean, he was their last fairly stable goalie. I mean, perfectly honest. I mean, there was the early years of Martin Jones. You can kind of say Auntie Niemi, kind of. But not really. That's the thing. San Jose really hasn't had that guy. And this is going way back to their expansion years when Arthur Survey was in San Jose. They brought in Mike Vernon. Steve Shields was there. Nabokov came in. So really, they haven't had that franchise goaltender that's just stabilized San Jose's goaltending. But I actually don't mind this trade for Colorado because I know, as like I said earlier, I haven't really followed the American teams, but the Avalanche are a team that I've kind of followed somewhat. And I know that their backup situation has been a problem given that they haven't had that solid backup option and Devin Dubnik's not a bad option but there's also the the other thought of because David Reddick also got traded so there could have been a possible deal they could have made with Calgary to bring him in but maybe Colorado maybe Calgary didn't want to deal him within the conference yeah and we always see how that goes one of the things I do wonder is if Dubnik is actually an an improvement over uh, Johansson or Miska. And that's an open question right now. It is an open question. And you know what, though? And I think for me, it's really going to see how Devin Dubnik does on a really good team like the Avalanche. You know, because, I mean, again, I think when you see these kinds of records and you see these kind of point totals with players who are on bad teams, you often think of, is the player bad? Or is it because they're in a situation with the team that is bad? Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, Tim, Buffalo Sabres traded defenseman Brandon Montour to the Florida Panthers for a 2021 third-round pick. Montour recorded five goals, nine assists for 14 points, and 38 games for Buffalo this season. Perfect example right here is Brandon Montour. You know what? 
I think Brandon Montour looks worse than he is because he's on Buffalo. But by no means is Brandon Montour great. No, he's not. But you know what, though, is that he's a decent enough defenseman. Then he got dragged down by Buffalo. Yeah. Although I think he's probably... He's not a top four guy. No, and I don't think Florida is going to be using him as a top four guy. Definitely maybe a third pairing guy. And that's why they brought him in to really solidify that third pairing in Florida. So, no, this is a fine deal for the Panthers. Especially for one that is very loaded right now. And I think a lot of people are kind of sleep slept on Florida at the beginning of the year because of Bobrovsky last year. But you know what? Florida's coming in right now. They're looking pretty good. So Yeah. And it's without Ekblad or Anthony Duclair at the moment. Columbus Blue Jackets traded defenseman David Savard to the Tampa Bay Lightning for a 2021 first round pick and a 2022 third round pick. Savard recorded one goal, five assists for six points, and 40 games for Columbus this season. Okay, can we just hand Tampa Bay the Stanley Cup? Seriously, because they're still kicking everyone's ass without Kucherov, and now they add a pretty solid top four defenseman here. Yeah, Savard is... He he is a shutdown defenseman. And in the actual, he's going to stop goals from going in your net mold. He's not going to drive Clay at the other end of the ice, but he's yeah he's going to just smother the opponent. And uh, Tampa Bay, this is a team that's built to kind of play it any way they want. This team is just completely built from top to bottom, and it can do a lot of different things. And they're doing it without Kucherov too. He's been out for the year. Well, he might come back for the playoffs, which is terrifying. Oh, and I think. Guy. Yeah, and Stamkos has been injured for a day-to-day for the last few games, and he's still, Tampa's still clicking. Oh, I thought you were going to say he's been injured for the past couple of seasons, but, you know. <laughs> that too. No, I, I don't mind this trade for Tampa Bay, though. Savard is a pretty solid defenseman. There were rumors for a while that the Sens were looking at Savard, but, again, you don't know what is really true and what is just Sens Twitter gossip, right? And that's where... And it's funny, when I look at Sen's Twitter and they were always hyping up guys like Savard and Montour and guys who actually got traded. And I'm just like, there's no realistic shot that the Sens are going to land this guy. Mm-hmm. Although I'm, I wouldn't be too stoked on... Well, Montour I think might be an improvement on for, on the Sens, but I wouldn't be super stoked on giving up, putting out assets for him. No. Uh, Savard... I'd be down for Savard. Um, I think a fir- Tampa's first is probably fine. Again, it's going to be closer to a second. This was another p- a fun three-way trade where uh, Detroit takes on a million dollars in exchange for a fourth-round pick. Let's talk about it, Tim. A three-team trade occurred with the Columbus Blue Jackets trading forwards Nick Foligno and Stefan Nuisen to the Toronto Maple Leafs for a 2021 first-round pick and a 2022 fourth-round pick going to the Blue Jackets, while San Jose acquired a fourth in 2021. Felino recorded seven goals, nine assists for 16 points in 42 games for Columbus, while Nuisin recorded two goals, four assists for six points in 12 games for the American Hockey League's San Jose Barracuda. 
So is Dubas just getting the 2006 to 2010 Ottawa Senators back together? Yes, ha ha ha, yes. Confirmed, Dubas is the real sicko. Yeah. Well, it's like, you've got Spezza, you've got Foligno now, you've had Harper and CeCe through those doors, <laughs> Stefan Nosen is another former senator. It's, it's a little bizarre. It is bizarre. Now, correct me if I'm wrong here. Wasn't Kyle Dubas a Sens fan growing up? Because I've heard so. I've heard quite a bit of that. That's what I've heard. I'm not sure. Never heard anything plus or minus on it. I know. Outside of the fact that he seems to be all in on the Sens sicko memes. Yeah, it's Nick Foligno is. That's another like good gritty pickup for the Maple Leafs. Very good in like a shut like a shutdown role, and he also has the ability to play. And Foligno got right into the Maple Leafs' heads last season when Columbus put out the Leafs in the play-in round. Yeah, I'll never forget that, Tim. Yeah. And at age 33, Foligno could still play. Yeah. Is he in his final year of his contract, Foligno? I believe so. Okay, yeah. And that's the thing. And for Toronto, I actually... I hate to say it, but I really do actually like the pickups for the Leafs because, you know what, their big problem last year really came from bottom, was, well, goaltending obviously in the playoffs, but their bottom six depth really didn't, was not good for the Leafs in the playoffs. But, you know what, I don't mind the Nick Foligno pickup for the Leafs. The next pickup is one that, you know, the Senators and the Leafs, have a couple things in common. Number one, we both play in Ontario. We're both in the same division and the same conference. And now, the Toronto Maple Leafs have not just one goalie, but two goalies who are very good at passing the puck to the Ottawa Senators, and they score on them. The Calgary Flames traded goaltender David Riddick to the Toronto Maple Leafs for a 2022 third-round pick. Riddick recorded a 4-7-1 record with a 9-0-4 save percentage for Calgary. Being in Calgary, you hear about David Riddick, and it's it, it's gone from oh this guy's pretty good to why is he still here? I'm honestly a little surprised that the Flames were able to get a third round pick. Granted, it's next year's, but still, it's a little surprising. Yeah, and I think for the Leafs again, I do like this pickup because again, Jack Campbell really has emerged as a very very good option for the Leafs right now. David Riddick could be a really good backup. But this really adds a bit of controversy to the Leafs because on the Frederick Anderson side, right? Because now is Freddie the third goalie going into the playoffs? No. I think Freddie slots above Dave Riddick. But you know what? This could really depend on how well Riddick plays in these, if he, if he plays in any of the regular season games for the Leafs, right? Because Jack Campbell, obviously at the moment, it looks like Campbell is going to get this nod mm-hmm. heading into the playoffs. And rightfully so, when you've won 11 or 12 straight or whatever. Now, granted, he's playing teams in Canada. Okay, well, fair, whatever. Is... But you got to realize is that Riddick could come in, play a couple of games, look really good. But this could light a fire under Freddie Anderson where he's like, okay, you know what? I lost my job to these guys. It's my job to kick their ass. Not literally, that would just be terrible. But figuratively, on the ice. And get that job back. 
Maybe. Uh, one thing that I think as Sens fans, caveat and prompter, sometimes a run is just a run. Remember the Hamburglar? Yep. So it's like, it'll be interesting to see how that all evolves. Honestly, you know, with all the pickups the Leafs are making right now, I would still love it if they lost in the first round again. Be so Well, the thing is, if they lose it in the first round this year... Dubas is fucked. Well, I think you're probably going to have fans screaming for them to blow it up. Because this is the year where the chips are at the center of the table. Honestly, Leaf fans are going to be calling for Dubas' head if they don't make it out of the first round this year. I just don't think the Leafs can really blow it up with all the money they've tied into those players. And again, and we've talked, I've talked about so many about, you know, they could have dealt William Nylander, got a couple of really, really good pieces in Toronto, but, you know, it is what it is. And I know even when we talked to the Leaf, left those Leaf guys, I know they have their opinions on the Leafs. So, but I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting. It's, you can definitely tell Dubas is going all in. Well, it's like, because he doesn't have a choice right now. He has to go all in because well, his job might is, be on the line at this point. This is the year you go all in because this is the easiest path you're going to have. Because, yeah, who are you playing against? You're playing against uh, yourselves and uh, Connor Hellebuck. Like, the North Division's a fucking joke. Oh, totally. Like, there's seven teams. Five of them are bad. Unless maybe Montreal really turns a corner. And that would be probably the funniest reversal. Like, if Montreal pulls a reversal on Toronto this year, that would be one of the funniest upsets of our time. Ooh, even funnier than last year against Columbus? I think it would be funnier because it's the Habs. That's true. And you just know it wouldn't just be the Habs. It would be Carey Price. If you carry price, and Habs fans will never let Toronto fans live it down. And it will be amazing. But it's like, this is the year Toronto goes all in. Yeah, they don't have a choice now. Yeah. It's all in or bust. And honestly, I said this about Yarmo Kekalainen two years ago. You respect the Cajones. Absolutely. So, Tim... We actually got some Ottawa Senators trades to talk about. We're going to start off with the Ottawa Senators have traded defenseman Mike Riley to the Boston Bruins for a 2022 third round pick. Riley recorded 19 assists in 40 games for Ottawa this season. This is a nice trade. I like this trade. Mike Riley was able to basically go from fringe defenseman to solid top six piece in the space of about 40 games and Ottawa turned a 2021 fifth rounder into a 2022 third rounder in the span of about six months. You'll like to see it. Absolutely. It's definitely, it's really good asset management for the Sens. As you said, right? They go from acquiring him for a fifth to getting a third for him. And again, I didn't actually realize Riley hadn't scored yet this year. I knew he had a bunch of assists, but no, good for him. I mean, I'm happy for Mike Riley. He's definitely earned his spot, excuse me, in the NHL. And now he's going to go to a team that's perfectly built for him. Because after losing Chara, after losing Tory Krug, 
last season, the off season, Riley's going to fit in. He's definitely not going to be Chara. I don't think anybody's expecting him to be that or Tory Krug, but he's definitely going to fit in very well on the Bruins blue line. Yeah, and uh, the Bruins need something at this point because look at their goddamn injury reserve. Brandon Carlo, Andre Kass, John Moore, Tuka Rask, Yaroslav Halak, Charlie McAvoy, Matt Grieslick. That's ugly. This is a team that it just needs warm bodies, and you'll figure it out once that's all together. Like, the only thing that could probably make this work is if somehow Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron also went down. But you know what, though, Tim? If either Bergeron or Marchand go down, they're going to have a big, big piece coming to Boston. But we'll talk about that in two trades. Because we still got an Ottawa Senators trade to talk about. Ottawa Senators traded defenseman Braden Coburn to the New York Islanders for a 2022 7th round pick. Coburn recorded two assists in 16 games for Ottawa this season. I'm a big fan of this trade. Me too. Because we don't have to watch him play. Context, remember the context of this trade. We had we took on uh, Cedric Paquette and Braden Coburn to get rid of our goalie logjam and basically the de- the contract of unfortunately we'll probably never play hockey again. Anders Nilsson. And Dorian was able to get both of those players out of Ottawa in good orderly fashion. And that turned into Ryan Dezingle and a seventh round pick. Yep. So honestly, not bad work for a player who's just gonna be probably sadly never be able to play again. Honestly, Pierre Dorian had a fantastic trade deadline and it's you know, low key and it's awesome. It is. And you know what? Especially with that white waiver pickup of Victor Mete. Solid. And now we've come to the big trade, Tim. Buffalo Sabres traded forwards Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazard to the Boston Bruins for Anders Bjork and a 2021 second-round pick. Hall and Larson recorded two goals, 17 assists for 19 points in 37 games, and five goals, four assists for nine points in 33 games, respectively, for Buffalo, while Bjork recorded two goals, three assists for five points in 30 games for Boston, this season. This is what we in the business like to call selling low. As Sens fans, I think we have to at least have some empathy for Buffalo here. Because Taylor Hall is in the Danley Heatley slot. Full NMC. So that puts Buffalo behind the barrel. And on top of that, Taylor Hall has been absolutely fucking snaping. And it doesn't help that he's on goddamn Buffalo. So it's going to make him look worse than he actually is. Taylor Hall is still elite when it comes to driving play and making good plays. The guy just can't shoot to save his life. He has a negative 12% finish compared to a median NHL player. That puts him in like the zeroth percentile. What has gone wrong with his shot? I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but I know that I posted this on Twitter, Tim. And I got to ask the question here. Three years after the fact, is Taylor Hall's Hart Trophy win one of the more baffling award wins in recent history? I'm going to say no, because he was insane that season. Like, that was a man on a mission good. Like, he was scoring really well, shooting the, shooting 
great driving play at all ends of the ice and frankly dragged that New Jersey team kicking and screaming to the second round of the playoffs. He won that fucking hard. Well, that's a thing, right? And in 2018, that was a different Taylor Hall. Now you see him in 2021. And how much of this really is him being snake bitten, but also him playing on a super, super bad team in Buffalo? I think it's a bit of both. What's interesting is uh, Buffalo fans didn't seem to really miss Taylor Hall. No, I think Taylor Hall is one of those guys who really the optimism and the excitement of Taylor Hall being a Sabre died out very quickly. What's interesting is Sabres fans were legitimately sad to see Curtis Lazar go. Because Curtis Lazar, he's become just a legitimately good bottom sixer. Yeah, he's definitely become the Nick Paul of the Buffalo Sabres. Is that he's definitely a guy who... He's worked at it, he's worked at it, he's worked at it, and he's finally got his shot. And I think maybe the expectations were a little too high on Curtis in Ottawa, in Calgary, because, you know, you definitely saw players that the Sens and the Flames fans were thinking, like, you can tell the talent's there, you can tell he's not a bad player, it's just a matter of when he's fully going to break out. And now we're finally seeing that. What's interesting is NHL, Curtis Lazar is very defensively responsible. That's what he's good at. Doesn't seem to have the NHL. The offense hasn't really translated to the NHL, but defensive responsible responsible play, yes, it has. Do we talk about the return? What return? <laughs> exactly. You know what? It's funny, eh? Was you look at a lot of these trades, especially during the deadline, where... These players got more than what Taylor Hall got. What I don't get is why didn't Kevin Adams sleep on this one? Time scarcity benefits him. I think for myself, I'm actually more surprised it was Boston that acquired him. Because the team, if I was going to pick a team in the U.S. that was going to land him, was probably going to be Colorado. Because the Avalanche looked like they were all in on Taylor Hall in the offseason. And they offered him quite a bit more money than Buffalo did to come to Colorado. And he just said, no, I'm cool. So I'm honestly surprised that Sackick didn't swing a trade with Buffalo, knowing how desperate they were to get rid of him. That they couldn't swing a deal to get him. But you know what? Sackick, I think he kind of has an idea of what he wants in Colorado. Boston, I think they see how injured these guys are. They might need that firepower. But honestly, I don't see Taylor Hall staying with Boston because of one reason. Did you see his New Jersey number in Boston? 71. No. Oh. 71 is a clear sign you are not sticking around in Boston. That's basically oh. a training camp number. Well, what's interesting is uh, this reminds me of Aginla and Yager in Boston. Although... Aginla in Boston, that really, you know, he eventually went there. But remember when he was a flame and it looked like Boston was going to acquire him and everybody went to bed. The next thing you know, it was, oh, by the way, it was Pittsburgh and got him. Lol. Right. I forgot about that. Uh, But yeah, so the internet was apocalyptic about this return. Like how the fuck could Buffalo only get a second in? 
and have to take back Anders Bjork. I know, and not even the Bjork that everybody wanted, like the singer. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's kind of incredible too because uh, Bjork and Lazar are very similar players, so like those basically wash out. So it ended up being Taylor Hall at four million dollars for a second. That's nutty. I get it. Buffalo was over a barrel, mm-hmm. but man. That makes Heatley for Milan McCulloch and Jonathan Chichu in a second look good. Yes and no. I think because Heater went to San Jose and actually had his final good seasons there. Where Taylor Hall is just a rental. But I think the the interesting question for Taylor Hall will be in the offseason is, what is the market going to bear for Taylor Hall after this season? Yeah, no, I wouldn't be surprised if... uh... Unless he has, like, a killer playoff with Boston. Mm-hmm. Maybe a, it'd be a weird show-me contract. Almost like a Tyler Ennis story. Honestly, I was just disappointed that Don Sweeney didn't go out and acquire Erica Branson because they can have the ultimate weird flex trifecta of the top three picks of 2010 playing for the Bruins at one time. At this point... We may finally get the true answer of who's better, Hall or Sagan. I like to think there's an alternative universe where the Bruins did take Taylor Hall and then 11 years later acquired Taylor, Tyler Sagan for a second. <laughs> so we actually got to talk about the other big trade that happened in the pre-deadline. The Los Angeles Kings traded forward Jeff Carter to the Pittsburgh Penguins for a conditional 2022 third-round pick and 2023 fourth-round pick. Carter recorded 8 goals, 11 assists for 19 points in 40 games for Los Angeles this season. Okay, if you were to tell me 10 years ago when Jeff Carter was a Philadelphia Flyer, one day he's going to end up playing for their arch rival, the Pittsburgh Penguins. I would not believe you. I don't think anyone would really. But also, Jeff Carter at 36 is... that's That's a weird thing. You know what, though, and this is not the Jeff Carter of old because the last three seasons for him in L.A., he's just been, like, steady, 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 and then just, like, nosedived into the ground. Oh, yeah. And it's to the point where he's being dragged along by his teammates in L.A. So this might be addition by subtraction for the Kings. Yeah. I'm not surprised they made this deal, given that, again, you've got Quinton Byfield in the system. They took him second overall in last year's draft. So it'll be very interesting to see if whether, with the Carter trade happening, whether Quinton Byfield's going to make the NHL next year. Yeah, no, I get that for sure. Although, it's going to be very fun when we look at Jeff Carter slotting up to Sidney Crosby or Getty Malkin, and he is instantly revitalized this is actually just a i don't know this just seems like a weird trade for pittsburgh to make because picking up jeff carter to me would have made more sense if pittsburgh was a playoff team and maybe pittsburgh is a playoff team i haven't checked the standards they are a picture okay so that makes sense see this really goes to show how much i've how little i follow the american teams so okay this isn't a bad deal if, if pittsburgh's a playoff team but I don't know. Like their their cup contending window was shut, so it would have made sense if Pittsburgh was a cup contender. Okay, you land Jeff Carter, you put him on the third line as a center. Perfect. This doesn't make any sense if you're not a cup contender. This is basically, uh, yeah, we just want to win a playoff series kind of trade. 
Well, what's funny about the Pittsburgh Penguins is uh, Brian Dumoulin stepped up this year. Matheson CC hasn't actually been god-awful. It's just been regular bad. And then Pedersen and Marino has been pretty good for your decor. So your decor is decent. And then Gunsel, Crosby, and Rust are basically just running the team. And then you've got Zucker and before Malcolm went down with injury on your second line. So bring in a Jeff Carter. And if he just magically reasserts himself, you've got a pretty decent defense. And well, top six with Crosby and Malcolm that now have wingers to play with. So now we're going to move on to the trades that happened during the trade deadline. Let's start off with the Vancouver Canucks traded forward Adam Gaudet to the Chicago Blackhawks for forward Matthew Highmore. Gaudet recorded four goals, three assists for seven points in 33 games for Vancouver, while Highmore recorded two assists in 24 games for Chicago this season. Gaudet and Highmore are basically the same player. That is, mediocre replacement level fourth liner. Mm-hmm. Highmore is $200,000 cheaper, so uh, I think Vancouver wins this one. I think so. And, but you know what, though, is that Goddad's definitely a guy who... It'll be interesting to see him go to Chicago. And the funny thing is, is that it's so weird to see Chicago and Vancouver make trades, given that it wasn't long ago these guys were, like, at each other's throats on the ice. Well, it's- remember all those playoff series right around so it'd be 2009 to 2011 where both those teams were like the top team like two of the toppest teams of the league and it was whoever wins this series is going to play the east team in the stanley cup final yeah and those series were bloodbaths too like that was serious not to the levels of like colorado detroit of the late 90s but you know, I just think of, like, Dustin Bufflin throwing around the Sedins like nothing. Ryan Kessler pissing off the Blackhawks. I look back, and it's such a fun rivalry to think of. And I don't know, and I, I know you're not really, like, a big sports YouTuber kind of person, Tim. But there's a show, or a channel, called Secret Base. And Secret Base does, like, all kinds of really, really good sports videos they've done. Rewinders, so they look back at a classic moment. They'll look at Collapse. They'll look at a few of them. And I think there were, they should do a rewinder on the Blackhawks-Canucks rivalry. Because, wow. The hatred between those two teams. That shit was intense. Well, I still remember... Uh, I was at SoccerCon 2011. Uh, this is the one where I have my Buffalo Sabres story. Yep. Uh, but uh, there were some guys at an anime convention wearing uh, Vancouver Canucks jerseys. Yep. And uh, I asked them how Buffalo, I asked them how the game was going, and they just assumed I was a Chicago Blackhawks fan and told me to fuck off. Oh. I didn't realize that Chicago was up like 5 1 at the time. Really? Yeah. Like, like what year was that? 2011? Vancouver ended up winning that series, but Vancouver got stuffed that game. Was that 2011? 2011, yeah. It was like the only game in the series that Vancouver got really beating it because mm-hmm. if i remember correctly that series that one went the distance seven games i remember yeah. that because the canucks i think they went up either like 3-0 or 3-1 and it looked like yep the canucks are gonna finally knock off the blackhawks and then next thing you know chicago wins chicago wins chicago wins and it's like oh fuck seventh game 
Alex Burrow slayed the dragon. And you know what? Even though I was not a Canucks fan at that point, that was exciting because you just saw the finally we beat them. Yeah. That will be Ottawa one day when we beat the Leafs in the playoffs. That will be us. Or we get finally beat the Penguins again. Yeah, honestly, I think our rivalry in the playoffs with Pittsburgh really has just come to an end. Unless the Penguins in several years become competitive again, it's really going to be we have to beat the Leafs. Because they really are the only team that has really had our number in the playoffs. That's fair, that's fair. Other than, well, Pitt, I don't even really want to say Pittsburgh because we've beaten Pittsburgh before. We beat Pittsburgh the first time. 07, yeah. We beat them in 07. I think we beat them in 5. And then it was like, 08 they beat us, 010, 2010. They swept us. 2010 they beat us, 2013 they beat us, 2017 they fucking beat us. us. Although, those three final series were really, really exciting to watch. 2010 gave us the you're an expert moment. 2013 is the pesky sends run. And I only remember was Milan McCulloch going right down Main Street and scoring on Thomas Wakun, who single-handedly killed us in that series. Yeah. Well, that those were all fun series to watch. Like, I still remember the quad over... Sorry. Yeah, quad overtime game where Matt Karkner wins. Yep. Like, that's shit you don't, you don't make up. No. Meh. I wouldn't mind a continuation of the Sens-Pittsburgh rivalry. Like, if the Sens make the playoffs next year, I wouldn't mind playing Pittsburgh at some point. Those are always good series. So, Tim, we've gone way off track here talking about the Sens and the Penguins. So let's bring it back to our trade deadline and talk about the New Jersey Devils traded defenseman Dmitry Kulikov to the Edmonton Oilers in exchange for a 2022 conditional Fourth round pick. Kulikov recorded two assists in 38 games for New Jersey this season. Yeah, the sell-off continues. And Kulikov is another very good defensive player. And he was good in Winnipeg. He continued to be good in uh, Detroit, Jersey. New Jersey. And uh, he's going to help stabilize an Edmonton team that desperately needs it. Yeah, Edmonton definitely, they made a couple of trades here that were actually not that bad this year or this week. So, kind of hand it to them on that. I don't really have any comments to make. I think Kulikov will fit in in Edmonton. It seemed like they're they're really putting the, the emphasis on their defense. I think that's perfectly for them. And another team that's also made a move with a defenseman is the San Jose Sharks. And it also involves a former Ottawa Senator. San Jose Sharks traded defenseman Frederick Clayson to the Tampa Bay Lightnings for goaltender Magnus Corona. Clayson recorded, sorry, Clayson played four games for San Jose while Corona recorded a 7-11 record with a 9.07 save percentage for the University of Denver. Now keep in mind this is the guy's last name. It's C H O, sorry, C H R O N A. Corona. His name in Latin means big time. Magnus big time. No, Corona means time. Magnus means big. Sorry, not Latin, Swedish. Big uh, time. Ooh. Well, there you go, so ladies and gentlemen. That's a hell of a name. Remember Freddie Clayson? I remember Frederick Clayson. He played in that 17 playoffs. I just remember Sens fans, I think we're way high on him, and it just didn't pan out for him in Ottawa. The thing about Freddie Clayson is that his underlying numbers are good. 
it's just the, the guy's never really been able to fully put it together. Although, like, he, in limited ice over the last two years, he's looked good. But it's just, like, why do you was given that big run of games in 2017, 2018? Uh, just didn't fucking work. No, and it's disappointing, right? Because I know guys like Trevor Shackles was super high on Clayson, and Clayson didn't play bad for Ottawa in the games that he did play for us. So I was a little disappointed to see him go, and I think it's really sad that his career just never panned out the way that a lot of Senators fans really hoped it would. But again, it's is what it is sometimes, right? It's like, yeah, you have a defenseman or a player that you're very high on, but they don't pan out. And you can think of, like, the Shane Princes. You can think of... Who would I also put on that list? But what I don't Tondra, like, maybe? Freddie Clayson was always good defensively. It's just every so often he would become, like, a scoring black hole. Yeah. And it was just bizarre. You know? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And you know what, though? He is going to a team in Tampa, which... Is so loaded on defense. I think this is more of an American Hockey League deal more than anything, more of a depth pickup. Yeah. So, I don't mind it for Tampa. I hope Clayson does well there. So, you know, all the best to him, man. Chicago Blackhawks traded Matthias Janmark and a 2022 fifth-round pick to the Vegas Golden Knights for a 2021 second-round pick and a 2022 third-round pick. Janmark recorded 10 goals, 9 assists for 19 points in 41 games for Chicago this season. Colorado likes Carl Soderberg. Let's talk about that one. Chicago Blackhawks traded defenseman Carl Soderberg to the Colorado Avalanche for forwards Josh Dickinson and Ryder Rolston. That's a great name, by the way. I'm not going to lie. It is. Soderberg recorded seven goals, eight assists for 15 points in 34 games for Chicago, while Dickinson recorded two assists in seven games for the American Hockey League's Colorado Eagles, and Rolston recorded one goal, five assists for six points in 28 games for the University of Notre Dame. Sorry, hold on one second, Tim. Ryder Rolston. That's a good one. It's a fun name to say. It's almost as fun as Yerky Yokopaka. Also, I realized I just had a fucking ADD moment. Uh, do you want to talk about the Anmark thing? There's nothing really I can add to the that. The only thing I want to say about the Anmark thing is allegedly the Vegas Golden Knights had so little cap space a few weeks ago that they only dressed 18 skaters. So it feels weird to me that they're picking up a player. Well, I mean, it makes sense, right? When you have Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, Alex Pacioretty, Mark Andre Fleury. But where the f- did the money come from? Um, I don't know. Like, yeah, like, yeah. You, you could you could ice a full team a week ago. I just want. I would like to know if the Vegas Gold Knights are basically this. Okay, this is a point I do want to bring up because over the last couple of years, when you see the trades that Vegas has made to acquire, like, not so much Mark Stone, but like the Pacioretties and these kind of guys, where you look at their prospects and the people they're sending back it almost seems like a baseball trade it's almost like yeah so this team will get the best player out of all of this and you're gonna get some scraps at the time that's what it seems like right it just seems like okay whatever team's getting a bunch of scraps so of course ottawa got eric brandstrom out of that montreal got nick suzuki out of that so in hindsight looks really good but at the time right it just looks like a baseball trade honestly there might be a model for that in hockey. 
Yeah, I can uh, play that. The one thing that I do find interesting is for a team that's only been in the league three years, sorry, yeah, three years, they've made a lot of, sorry, four now? Okay, four. Four seasons, yeah. They've made a lot of trades to future teams. That's kind of impressive. Yeah. Yeah, so no, I, I do like this trade. Yeah. Going back to the Soderberg trade that I then rushed us through, he's not as defensively sound as he once was, but he can still push play down the center, and he'll probably slot in as a nice depth option for Colorado, and obviously they like what they see. They've had him before. He probably slots in probably on the third line, maybe the fourth. Yeah, they might use him as a seventh, seventh defenseman, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move on to our next trade, Tim. The Toronto Maple Leafs traded defenseman Martin Marincic to the Edmonton Oilers for a conditional third-round pick in 2021. Marincic recorded one goal, three assists for four points in 26 games for Toronto this season. You know, Leafs fans told me this would never happen because Toronto had some weird love affair for Martin Marincic. But here we are. Yeah, and again, I don't mind this deal for Edmonton. Again, like we talked about earlier when they acquired Dmitry Kulikov, is that, you know what, they're definitely putting a lot of emphasis on just on the defense. And that's really good because they see, they've they proven that they're so top-heavy with the McDavid's, the Dreisaitl's, the Nugent Hopkins. Then they got Darnell Nurse on the back end. So now they're adding some depth pieces on the back end. Not bad pickups for the Oilers, man. I got to give Ken Holland credit for that. Yeah. It's... Marinson's a weird player. Because he's either negative expected goals on both ends of the ice or positive. It's never a mix. No. He's either all in on that offense thing or all off. And he's basically just lived on Toronto's taxi squad this year. So it'll be interesting to see what he actually does in Edmonton or if he even sees ice time. Basically, he's been on the taxi squad too so long that there's indentation in that seat. Yeah, pretty much. So before we go into our next trade, Tim, I know earlier in this episode you might have heard me fiddle fucking with some bottles right here. And I'm actually enjoying the delicious double pink Whitney with Fresca, so shout out to them. I'm not going to lie, I know you're not a drinker, Tim, but... You know what? Tastes like pine, not pineapple. Tastes like uh, grapefruit. Well, I guess the fresca probably does a lot of that work, right? Well, let's have a look here. Um, honestly, no, I think. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah, natural grapefruit flavor. Sorry about that. Yeah, it's just the pink lemonade with the grapefruit. It actually tastes really good and it's really refreshing. So, given that. Nice. Now we're gonna go back. Now we're gonna head back to the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, because. The Calgary Flames traded forward Sam Bennett to the Florida Panthers for a 2022 second-round pick and forward Emel Hyman. Bennett recorded four goals, eight assists for 12 points in 38 games for Calgary this season. This is a guy This that, is a guy. Yes, Calgary this is a guy. so high on. They drafted him high. There were so many question marks. Did not pan out. But the thing is, and I think oh, he's... Where, where was he taken? 2013? Top of my head? I think so, and he was taken fourth overall. Yes, but that trade... Or, not that trade, that draft, really... That first round's not as good as 
You know, people talk about the 2012 draft not being that good in the first round. 2013 was not that better. I mean, obviously there were some really good pickups. Like, there was William Nylander, I think, Ekblad? No, Ekblad was 2014. Yeah. Well, it doesn't help that there wasn't, like, a pure lightning rod for that draft. Mm -hmm. Like, you, when uh, you had the previous year having Neil Yakupov. Like, it's... No, sorry, it's 2014 yeah, it's... he was drafted. Oh, 2015, yeah. But it's, like, it's not like yeah. I have the giant lightning rod. Bad, like, obvious bad pickup. You know? Yeah, I'm just looking at the 2014 draft right here, and honestly, Sam Reinhardt's kind of a very, very debatable one, especially because Dreisaitl went three. But there's just a lot of guys who didn't really make the jump. Like, let's see, uh, Nick Ricci really didn't turn out to be much. Uh, Jake Vertanen, really, he still hasn't turned out to be much. But there was actually a few trades here that actually involved some top... Guys in the top 15 in this draft, so gotta give it that. Yeah, but it's just out of all of these yeah, there hasn't really been like a big swing here like a big swing player like this draft was we're coming up on seven years ago and not many players have crossed 300 points. No, with the exception of like most... Dreisaitl. Dreisaitl's at 483. Yep. Yeah, so, like, these guys are, they're pushing for 500 games. And, like, you've got William Nylander at uh, 251 points in 346 games. Dreisaitl, 480, over a point per game. Like, yeah, it's Dylan Larkin, I think, is the only one of those out of the whole group that's a team captain. Yeah, that's true. You know what, though? I would like to think, actually, there is one comment I want to make. Because I mentioned this earlier that Sam Reinhart went second overall to Buffalo. I would like to know what Buffalo was thinking when they still had Dreisaitl on the board. Or whether they thought Reinhart was the better player. I think they just thought Reinhart was better. But one of the weird things about Sam Bennett is he is effective when he plays up the lineup. There's just no space for him up the lineup. So if... Sam Bennett gets some reps with uh, some of the big guns in Florida. Like, if he gets to play some time with, say, Barkov or Huberdeau, mm -hmm. he will produce. Because, like, when he... The, the little time that he gets to play with uh, Keith Kachuk... Sorry, not Keith Kachuk. Uh, Matthew Kachuk or uh, Johnny Gaudreau, he produces well. He produces at what you would expect for someone of his pedigree. Well, a bit below of someone you would expect for his pedigree. Like, so he's not a bust per se. No, but uh, he, his career really hasn't translated the way that it has. I think the no. big thing that's really helped him is that, with the exception of William ne William Nylander that went eighth, if you look at the top three, obviously it was like Ekblad, Reinhardt, Dreisaitl. There really ha was not a guy between four and seven that really broke out to be a star in the NHL. No, you could almost argue that in that draft, Nylander or Bennett could have gone third and no one would call you stupid. Honestly, you could have taken Nylander fourth. Or if you really want to go off the board, you could have taken Dylan Larkin fifth. 
Yeah. But that's but a hindsight thing, right? Yeah. So, I don't know. It's like, I like this trade for Florida. They gave up, I think that's last year's second. Yeah, it was. It was uh, their second last year. So, not that bad. Can I say one thing before we head on to the next trade? Because you mentioned Matthew to Chuck. So one of the guys that is working with us right now, and he obviously he's got a couple more days, he's going up north to work planting trees, is he's currently talking to this girl. I don't know if he met through Tinder or wherever the fuck he met her. Apparently he was telling me her ex-boyfriend is Matthew DeChuck. So your buddy might be Dick Cousins with Matthew DeChuck. Yeah, he might be. Uh, not No, not Dick Cousins. You mean uh, Eskimo Brothers? That's the term you guys use. I've heard dick cousins. Eskimo brothers. I've heard that. Yeah. But yeah. And it's funny when he mentioned, uh, he says, yeah, this girl I'm talking to her ex is like in the NHL now. And I was like, Oh really? Who? And he doesn't really follow hockey. Right. He goes, I did to chuck or something. And I'm like, wait, what team did you say you played for? He's like, uh, Calgary. And I was like, you mean Matthew to chuck? He's like, yeah, he's a fucking weird dude, man. And I'm like, yeah, I can believe that. I just thought it'd be funnier if it was like, yeah, she regrets mixing out on $8 million a year. Yeah, that's true. That is true, Tim. Like, somehow a weird dude might just be cope for my, my ex is richer than I will ever be. Yeah, but like, she showed him some of the texts that he sent her, and it was just like, this guy's weird. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, Tim, I know that we were talking... I don't know if we talked about this in this episode, but we definitely talked about it off the air. There was a fake-out on Sen's Twitter today. <laughs> and we're going to talk about it right now. The Philadelphia Flyers traded defenseman Eric Gustafson to the Montreal Canadiens for a 2022 7th-round pick. Gustafson recorded 6 goals, 23 assists for 29 points in 66 games between Chicago and Calgary this season the fake out was great yeah like it's just something i wouldn't have even thought of oh there's a guy whose name is almost identical to branson's in the nhl i know i love the fact that the whole sense twitter's like oh my god it's happening and there's been two eric gustafson's in the nhl really i i no is this just a fuck up on mika's yeah, no, there's Eric Gustafson playing with Chicago and Calgary. And there's Eric Gustafson, who is formerly of the Philadelphia Flyers. Just to make things even funnier. Yeah, there's a big gap in Eric Gustafson's resume. From 2014 to 2020, he was absent from the NHL. I think the biggest thing with Gustafson is really that... Montreal basically traded a seventh round pick for a bigger, slower version of Victor Mete. That's what Sense Twitter is talking about right now. I'm like, don't see it. I, I don't see it myself. Oh, I don't see it like in the performance either. Because it's just like, just really meh. And uh, the, the play driving really isn't there. I can't wait to watch Victor Mete with the Sens, though. Although, the nice thing about Victor Mete with the Sens, at least we have a cover athlete for episode 98 when that happens. Yeah, no kidding. So we've got that going for us. Oh, wait. No, I've realized what's going on. What's up? I think there might be a bug with the way Hockey Biz has set it up. Okay. 
because they yeah there appears to be a mix up between the two players Eric Gustafson and the other Eric Gustafson. Oh okay. Yeah. Well, Tim, even but, though the sense Twitter was very very crazy about this mix up, the real guy that we're talking about was traded. The Ottawa Senators traded defenseman Eric Goodbranson to the Nashville Predators for a 2023 7th round pick. Goodbranson recorded one goal, two assists, or three points in 36 games for Ottawa this season. Now, I don't know if the uh, metrics or your hockey analytics will pick this up, Tim, but his blown tires per 60 numbers, fantastic this season. Uh, Yeah, definitely stuff a legend, but Eric Goodbranson... He's always been kind of middle, kind of middling, and uh, this the past two years he's just been flat out bad. Actually, I even say going back to twenty seventeen and earlier, he's been just flat out bad. I would like to know what was Florida thinking, taking him third in two thousand and ten, when you still had Cam Fowler on the board. I don't fucking know. Because I'm going to go back here. I'm going to have a look at the 2010 draft. Because honestly, I'm just looking at this. Because really, the next defenseman that was taken after him was Dylan McAuliffe. I think that's the name of it. He took to the New York Rangers, went 10th. Oh, Dylan McAuliffe? Yeah, I've never heard of this guy in my life. Yeah, well... Oh, and Jack Campbell was taken 11th. Cool. Well, McAuliffe at the time, was considered going far the fuck off the board. I know. Like, I remember even uh, the TSN guys say, on air, what is is New York thinking? Yeah, and then Cam Fowler went 12. What was Cam Fowler doing these days? Oh, he seems to be doing okay. I haven't heard from him in a while. That's good. Yeah. But you know what, though? Can you imagine if, say, Florida didn't take a Branson and they took either... Ryan Johansson or Nino Niederreiter or Jeff Skinner third. Yeah. Be a different team, that's for sure. Actually, you know what's funny? We're talking about Boston. Uh, Brent Conley, Boston Bruin as well. I think he made that trade earlier. Brent Conley's another one of those players that I think is older than he is. Mm hmm. I don't know why. Yeah, he's kind of bounced around a little bit. But you know what? I'll never, th- I, you know, we'll talk about this later in their winners and losers segment. I'm so fucking glad we got rid of Cabranson. Two games in, I was ready to ship him out of town. I was like, no, please, please do not keep this guy around. Of anything, just trade this guy. Yeah, the fact that it sucks that we gave up a fourth, got a seventh back. One thing that does suck is he did just have a kid, so the timing kind of sucks for the family. It does. But, yeah, there's not really a ton we can really talk about here until we get to our winners and losers segment. So we're going to move on to our next trade. Carolina Hurricanes traded defenseman Hayden Fleury to the Anaheim Ducks for defenseman Yanni Hakapia. No. Hakapa, I think it's what his name is. And a 2022 second-round pick. Fleury recorded one goal in 35 games for Carolina, while Hakapa recorded one assist in 42 games for Anaheim this season. I'm guessing Hayden Fleury is just a player that ran out of road in Carolina. Yeah, pretty much. 
pretty because much. like he likes to shoot. He's pretty good at shooting, but the play driving doesn't seem to be there. But yeah, just never seemed to get full confidence at coach. Yeah, and um, you know what though, and I think when I think about Carolina's defense is that again, like they are sneaky good. Like they're sneaky loaded in the back end in Carolina. So I don't think losing Hayden Fleury is gonna be a huge loss for them. It's definitely gonna be a good pickup for Anaheim, where you give Cam Fowler a compliment on the back end, and Anaheim's definitely in a rebuilding stage right now. So not a bad pickup, honestly, for them. Now the Hayden Fleury trade, I think this was the final one, if I'm not mistaken, that was right at the cutoff line. But there were some trades that came out following the cutoff line. There's some big ones. And Stevie Y, man. I'll give him that. He's a good GM. The Detroit Red Wings traded forward Anthony Mantha to the Washington Capitals for Ford, Jacob Verana, who was also taken in that draft we're talking about, Richard Paddock, a 2021 first, a 2022 second-round pick as well. Mantha recorded 11 goals, 10 assists for 21 points in 42 games for Detroit, while Verana and Panic recorded 11 goals, 14 assists for 25 points in 39 games, and 3 goals, 6 assists for 9 points in 36 games for Washington, respectively, this season. Richard Paddock's such a weird player. He's a player that I'm not sure where I stand with him. Because he's a guy who I watch him, and I look at his stats, and I go, this should be a guy who should be very... I don't want to say it very, very good, but he should be a very talented depth piece. He should be that guy. I don't know, maybe he just hasn't broken out into that role, to be honest, because... He hasn't put up crazy numbers, but maybe the fact that he's played for Washington for the last couple of seasons, that's really boosted his numbers. Yeah, because like his numbers are kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. And he's turning 30, so he is what he, he is. What he is. Uh, he's probably a good depth pickup. But what's interesting is Vrana and Mantha are similar players. Jacob Vrana is the younger of the two. The question really becomes, is Anthony Mantha just being crushed in Detroit? I would say, I'm not sure. A lot of Anthony Mantha's good is being crushed by just not very good teammates and questionable on-ice randomness happening to him. Because this is a guy who drives play at a pretty good level and has a pretty good shot. And scores at an okay clip, but he's playing first line minutes on a shitty team. Well, Jacob Vrana's on a really good team and posting pretty good numbers. If this was a one for one swap, I'd be fine with it. But I think Washington massively overpaid here because on top of that, they included a first, a second, and Richard Connick. Yeah. Yeah, that was my thought too. Was just like. Anthony Mantha is a good player, but he's not worth that price. And keep in mind, earlier when we were talking about Kyle Palmieri, my cousin's a Devils fan, and I asked him, is he really worth a first? And he didn't really have an answer for me. He's like, eh. I guess if Washington's thinking that Anthony Mantha is a legit top-line top option, Mm-hmm. So you're not running Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, Tom Wilson. 
then maybe fucking Mantha pops off now that he's on riding shotgun with Alex goddamn Ovechkin. And that might be worth a first. Yeah. But a first press drawn up plus. Stevie Y definitely won this trade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, man. You know what? You got to give Stevie Y credit for that because for him to get that package for Anthony Mantha, fantastic. Good for Stevie Y on that one. So continuing the trades that happened, or sorry, the, to continue the trend of trades that ha- that came out after the deadline, Chicago Blackhawks trade defenseman Madison Bowie in a 2021 fifth-round pick to the Vancouver Canucks for a 2021 fourth-round pick. Bowie recorded one assist in two games for Chicago this season. That's a weird trade. And I've never heard of Madison Bowie. I remember him on the Red Wings, but I don't remember him as a Blackhawk. Yeah, I've legit never heard of the guy. (laughs) He's a guy... And, you know, when we talk about cover athletes on the show, Tim, we always talk about... I remember him from the EA Sports games, but not as a player. Madison Bowie's that guy. In recent times. He is a below-replacement-level player, and I'm surprised that he survived so long on Washington before getting shipped out to Detroit. And he was bad on Washington. (laughs) The Philadelphia Flyers traded forward Michael Raffle to the Washington Capitals for a 2021 fifth-round pick. Raffle recorded three goals, five assists for eight points in 34 games for Philadelphia this season. This is just getting out from a veteran who's kind of on a declining path. Yeah, that's all we can really say. The Toronto Police traded forward Alexander Barbaranov. Yeah, Barbaranov. Sorry if I'm totally mispronouncing that name. To the San Jose Sharks for forward Ante Sumarella. Barbara Banoff recorded one assist in 13 games for Toronto, while Sumamrella recorded one goal, five assists for six points in 10 games for the American Hockey League's San Jose Barracuda this season. This saves the Maple Leafs $1 million. That that actually is a hard name to pronounce, though. Oh, Barabanov? Barabanov, yeah. Yeah, so that's all they can really say about this trade. Yep. Anaheim Ducks traded defenseman Ben Hutton to the Toronto Police for a 2022 fifth-round pick. Hutton recorded one goal, four assists for five points, and 34 games for Anaheim this season. I think this is a taxi squad pickup. And to close out the 2021 trade deadline, the Vancouver Canucks traded defenseman Jordy Ben to the Winnipeg Jets for the 2021 second-round pick. Ben recorded one goal, Eight assists for nine points and 31 games for Vancouver this season. Jordy Ben's an interesting player because he was fine, decent replacement, like just above replacement level defenseman for Montreal. And then he goes to Vancouver and falls off a fucking cliff. Now, these fancy stats models, they're supposed to be able to isolate how much is the player and how much is the team. However, if the situation changes totally drastically over one year and there's no injury or anything like that, you have to wonder if the model isn't fully separating the two. For Jordy Ben, that might be the case. I think this is a case of 
Jordy Ben was put in such a shitty position in Vancouver that the model thought the model couldn't differentiate between him and the situation because it was so goddamn pervasive. Now, when you're talking about the situation, you're not referring to that dude from the Jersey Shore, correct him? Not today, Tay. Fantastic. It's not t-shirt time. So maybe maybe Jordy Ben looks better on the Jets than he does in Vancouver. But this also gets Vancouver a bit more cap space to play with that they then immediately spend on a shit. Sorry. <laughs> a uh, third rounder. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have much to say about this deal, to be perfectly honest. And yeah, Jordy Ben did not look great in Vancouver. I will not argue that. I, I do hope he does well in Winnipeg for our bot Adam, the host of the Three I Three Goes to Wait, Four Goes podcast. So hopefully he does well for Winnipeg, man, because you know what? Winnipeg's a good team, they're a good city, and they got great fans there. No kidding. One thing that does kind of look bad for Vancouver is uh, they got $16 million mm-hmm. and I think there's some big names that they need to sign. Wait, are you talking about Tanner Pearson? Because he already got signed. Oh, bless. But I was thinking of Quinn Hughes, Edler's last contract. Pedersen. Uh, Pedersen. That's a uh, that's some work they have to do. Oh, no kidding, eh? Well, sorry, that $16 million number includes Ryan Spooner's bio coming off, Sven Barchi's my minor recapture coming off, and then they still have a year left with the Luongo penalty. Ouch. But yeah, like, running out to sign Tanner Pearson to a $3 million contract is... That's shit. Yep. Uh, do you, I... Do you think that Brandon Sutter gets $4 million again? Knowing Jim Benning, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe there's a former Maple Leaf that they could put, fill the hole with. Maybe. Well, Tim, I guess that wraps up the trades for the trade deadline. Now, we're going to take a really quick break here on the third Unplugged SenseCast, and we will return to talk about the winners and the losers for the trade deadline for 2021. Coming right back. Hey, this is Craig Manalia from the Wally Mathot Show. You are listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. Okay, Tim, we are back. Man, I gotta tell you, it's such a good time to talk about some trades for once on the 2021 trade deadline episode. Yeah, and there's a ton of them, which means that there's only one thing left to do, Tay. Let's talk about the winners and the losers. Now, I'm going to let you take the reins here. So we're going to start off with the winners. Who do you think in the 2021 trade deadline was a winner? Uh, Detroit knocked it out of the park. They uh, picked up a fourth round for just taking on some cap. They got something for John Merrill. And the Verona trade is... It's nuts. Like, I think as far as just a collective body of work goes, Detroit's was fantastic. I don't mind the work that Philly did either. Selling off some fringe veterans for a small amount of money, for a small amount of picks, 
Ottawa did the same, and uh, they did great. They did very well as well. And I think Ottawa gets an extra star here because they made a really good waiver wire pickup with Victor Mete. I actually don't mind. The Blackhawks did pretty well here as well, managing to get a second or third round pick for Matthias Janmark and a fifth. And I think those are the teams I thought did really well. The Leafs actually didn't do too bad either. Mm -hmm. Tampa Bay, sneaky good. I think, and I think uh, New Jersey did well. Yeah. I think that's about it. I would say that. Uh, for winners for myself, I think you you and I are definitely going to have the same sort of picks here. I'm definitely going to say Toronto because, again, like they're going all in this year. They really don't have a choice, right, after you had three straight years where you don't make it out of the first round. So you have to make these moves to try and get yourself out of that position. And you know what? This is probably the best year to do it because, really, who are they going to play in the first round? Yeah. It's gonna be Montreal or Edmonton. I'm gonna say the big winner. I'm not a big winner. Definitely a winner. And I think you and I are gonna have the same sort of picks. Tampa Bay definitely has some sneaky picks. Ottawa though, not bad, not bad. Pierre Dorian, you get rid of Coburn, you get a draft pick. Gabranson, you get a pick, draft pick. You pick up Victor Mete for free. Kind of sad to see Mike Hoff- Mike Hoffman, Mike Riley go, but you know what? Again, with the Burner Dockers, Sanderson's guys like this coming up in the next few years, not surprised they made that trade. The only thing we can talk about right now is the losers. Can we just say right now, it's one team, the Buffalo Sabers. God fucking damn it! Like. I get they're over a barrel, but man. I thought they could have at least gotten a fourth for Curtis Lazar on his own. How do you, how you don't get a first for Taylor Hall after three years ago he was the best player in the league as voted on by the league? Yeah, it's 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 kind of incredible, honestly. And Eric Stahl for a third and a fifth while still retaining salary is okay. Mm-hmm. But it's... Brandon Montour for a third is fine, but... Actually, I'd see a third for Brandon Montour is actually pretty good without them keeping any salary. But man, that Hal trade just sours the whole barrel, doesn't it? It does. It's like putting sewage into a cask of wine. All of a sudden... Some good work is just crap. Overall, though, it was a very eventful trade deadline, and I'm glad that you and I can get together this evening to talk about the trades this evening because originally this was was supposed to be our third-line plug SmackDown episode because it was our Battle of Ontario episode, but because I'm such a galaxy brain because of COVID, trade deadline episode. And I'm happy that we got together and do this, Tim. Well, what's kind of funny is... I was honestly expecting it to be the SmackDown episode as of 3 p.m. yesterday. And then the trade started rolling. Because I thought it was just going to be a quiet, boring deadline. We'd get about 10 trades, and then we'd talk about the games. Yeah, and you know what? If it was only that, that's fine. I could have done that. 
But the fact is that the trade deadline was as busy as it was, and the fact that we got some really good talking points out of it, I'm glad that, you know, this was a trade deadline episode overall, Tim. Yeah. And it's just, it's kind of funny to think how much wheeling and dealing the Sens have done over this season with Derek Stepan, the Coburn Peck, getting Coburn Packet and a second round pick for dumping the contracts of Gabrick and Nielsen. And then getting, bringing Jack Kopaka, Ryan Kazingle, and it ends with most of those guys coming out the door. What a weird season. I know, and I know a lot of fans would say, well, you didn't really, you really wouldn't have to brought those guys in if you kept Yaros, Wolanin, Balsers, but it's like, you know what, though? It's nothing we can really do about that, though. Yeah. Although it's like, it's interesting, like, just doing a bit of a retrospective on those October trades that brought in Gabranson. One of the ones that I think has worked out better than it had any business doing is the Austin Watson trade. Who was also taken in the first round of that 2010 draft. Where, yeah, you traded this year's Colorado's fourth, so that's probably closer to a fifth, which is probably nothing to begin with. And you get a heart and soul guy who, uh, he's going to play a game with the writing of the puck embossed into his neck. Yep. Yeah, he's definitely a guy that I know a lot of people were super critical of the Senators bringing him in. But you know what, though? Quietly, he's been a very solid player for Ottawa. I know that we don't talk about him a ton here on the Third Eye yeah, well, cast, but you know what, though? I'm, gl- I'm glad. I'm good that he- it's really working out for him here in Ottawa because I was definitely a- the minority of saying, like, well, you know what? We should give him a chance. If he can prove that he's put his demons behind him, I'm glad to have him in there. Hmm. And I'm glad that I'm glad that it's worked out for him, and uh, he's just been kind of a solid, like a good enough depth guy. And you take it. So, Tim, do you have any comments you want to make on this week's episode before we head off into the close? I can't believe the Islanders took Braden Cooper. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug, Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it, because believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. We're on the National Podcast Network. You can find our page on nationalpodcast.network. We can find our links to iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. We're also on Twitter, at Third Line Plug. It's our Twitter handle. Tim is at M901HoneyBadger. I'm at GreatWhiteGipster, G-R-8-W-I-T-E-Gipster. If you want to shoot us an email to talk about the trades that happened during the 2021 trade deadline shoot us an email third line plug says cash at gmail.com now i do got one comment to make though tim is we actually did get an email this week really yes so our bot adam from the three ghosts and wait four ghosts podcast he sent us an email quick shout out to him and i'm going to bring this email up here real quick so basically what this email says right here, let me have a look here. I'm just going to bring it up real quick. Uh-huh. This is what the email says. Dear Tim and Taylor, why he's putting you in front? I don't have any idea. Longtime fan, first time emailer, previous guest, but that's not the point. You got to chat about Pokemon on the week. I write my registered insurance brokers of Ontario exam. My five-year-old pretty much lives and breathes Pokemon. The nice thing is it helped him with his reading, writing, and drawing skills. 
That's awesome. Well, that's all I got because I am presently studying methods of reinsurance, specifically proportional and non-proportional excess loss. Your bot, Adam, for the Three Ghosts and Wait for a Ghost podcast. That's nice. That is very nice. I gotta give him that. So, while this week's episode, Tim, is quite heavy. Episode 91, though. I think we gotta help a bot out that week. Because I know his son, Adam, or sorry, his son, Emmett, five years old, big Brady to Chuck fan, so I'm very happy about that. I think we can help him out next week. What can we do? I think we could talk a little bit about Pokemon next week, Tim. Okay. We can get five or six minutes out of that. Yeah, yeah. Actually, one thing I'm a little surprised about is that Pat, sorry, Columbus didn't trade Patrick Line. I know. That's the one thing that really came as a surprise but, because it really just has not panned out for him in Columbus. What I can get, if I had to guess, they, the offers were absolutely underwhelming. For Columbus, it it's amazing how badly things started going once the Pierre, Pierre-Luc Dubois was out the door. I know. It's amazing, because eh? Pierre-Luc Dubois really has taken off in Winnipeg as opposed to Line in Columbus. Yeah. Do you Would you think, if, say, Columbus makes the playoffs, do you think that he's going to be on torts now? It's like, maybe, but at the same time, the playoffs are out of the question given how many key players are up. Like, they traded their captain, for God's sakes. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's what you get and when Kyle Turz is honestly, the real sicko, Tim. Yeah, pretty much. But it's like they have to leapfrog da- both Dallas and Chicago, and Dallas, Chicago, and Nashville all have games in hand on Columbus. It's not happening. No, not at all. Until next week, guys. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this has been Tim Jensen. Go Sens, guys. Woo!